I don't know if I'm the only one with this take, but to me, the bigger issue is not that this guy on Twitter found shrimp tails in his box of cinnamon toast crunch. The big issue, the real travesty of this situation is that a 41-year-old adult male is eating cinnamon toast crunch in the first place. That is a major red flag if you ask me and people on social media are debating you know does this affect cinnamon toast crunches standing as a top five cereal of course it doesn't how could it it was never top five to begin with joey your reaction i mean that's just blasphemous cinnamon toast crunch is by far the best cereal in the world i don't think any other cereal compares but just for reference, what's your top five or, or what's your top three if you don't have a top five? Top, I need to, I I know, need to hear I mean, it so I could just dog you. Dog me. I mean, I could list like 10 off rip that are better than Cinnamon Toast Crunch. What, how many do you want me to do? Frosted Flakes, Honey Nut Cheerios, regular Cheerios, no, 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 Golden no, Grams, okay. Honeycombs, no, if that's that, still a thing, no. Raisin Bran, Captain Crunch, Fruit Loops. I, I could keep going. That's a bad take. That, How? That's a very unpopular opinion right there. Because Cinnamon Toast Crunch is like worldly loved, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I just don't know about you, bro. Honestly, I just don't know. Like, you like Androids. Red flag. You don't like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but you'd rather have Golden Grams and, and Raisin Bran? <laughs> bro, what are we talking <laughs> about here? Who, who, who buys Raisin Bran? Anybody over the age of 14? No. Only weirdos eat Raisin Bran. Like, do you know how weird you have to be to go into your cabinet and pull out a box of Raisin Bran and put it in your bowl and put it in your mouth? Let me tell you this. This is what it really comes down to. This is the bottom line. If cinnamon is the main component of a food, I think it kind of disqualifies it from top five eligibility. Can you name something with cinnamon that's top five? Is Big Red a top five flavor of gum? No. Is Fireball a top five form of liquor? No. Is Chai a top five form of tea? Not even close. I mean, I rest my they're case. not comparable at all. They're cinnamon not. is overrated. No. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is very highly rated and is scrumptious. So, I'd rather eat shrimp tails. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 133 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be keeping it real because that's all we know how to do. We're going to be talking Deshaun Watson and the situation that he's involved in. We're going to be talking about Kenny Galladay signing with the Giants. A few more stories uh, regarding NFL free agency, T.Y. Hilton, Damian Williams, Mike Davis, etc. Many to get through. Also, Joey has completed his journey through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've been tracking his progress for a few weeks now, and we are at the conclusion. We'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. To our great listeners out there, we appreciate your continued support of the show. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And if you're interested, we do live streams and weekly content over on the YouTube page at the DFS Dose. Joey, let's get in to the show. And I want to talk about this Deshaun Watson situation. This is the prevailing story in the NFL right now. He's been accused by over 20 women, 16 of which have filed legitimate claims against him for sexual harassment. We haven't seen a story like this in the NFL, I think, maybe ever. You know, a star 
quarterback, a player of Watson's notoriety and caliber, just sort of out of nowhere getting these types of allegations thrown at him and piled at him. And I don't want to say that you know, Watson is a victim here because the things he's been accused of are extremely serious. And if true, it would be hard pressed for Watson to remain in the NFL. However, it's hard not to look at the bigger picture and see, you know, the Texans owner, Bob McNair, who's somebody who, you know, donated multi-millions of dollars to the Trump campaign. He was quoted in 2018, you know, referring to his players as inmates saying, we can't have the inmates running the prison. And the moment that Watson, you know, stands up for himself and says he wants out of Houston, all of this suddenly comes to light. I don't know. This is a very ambiguous and serious story going on in the NFL. Yeah, it's uh, one of the crazier stories over the last couple of years in the NFL. My take on it is I really have no take because obviously these are serious accusations. And I think in this country specifically, a lot of women or men are afraid to come out and say that they have been sexually assaulted due to whatever pressure or people not believing them, um, especially with athletes of Watson's caliber. He's a star quarterback in the NFL, the biggest sports league in America, right? So I don't I don't want to sit here and, you know, say all these women are lying or whatever because I don't believe that, but like you mentioned, um the Texans owner is a legitimate piece of shit and yeah. I wouldn't put it past them to make it like his life mission to tear Watson down. And it combine that with the fact that Watson is also a black man in America and he works for a I, I like I, I don't want to say it but he's kind of racist a racist owner he is he is racist yeah. to say it <laughs> like he's working for a racist owner I, w- I just wouldn't put it past you know a billion dollar owner of the NFL to try and tear this young black man down because he doesn't want to play for his football team and obviously Watson is the face of the franchise at the moment so losing him would be kind of catastrophic to the Texans future especially after they gave him you know 100 million dollars last year and it would be catastrophic to the owner's revenue so well this would if that is the case you know if this was something that is not true and was perpetrated by Texans ownership you know that's that's a scorched earth approach right like there's no coming back from it um you know the Texans would be in massive trouble if that ever came to light and McNair as well it, it's tough because there's a lot of things going on here there's the whole factor of sexism in America with the women there's the race part of it which you mentioned and you know we've seen this time and time again in this country where you know young black men get thrown to the wolves by these companies i think about joe budden getting his name dragged through the mud when he left spotify in the podcasting industry if anybody you know followed that story they tried to it's basically like if you're not going to podcast for us you're not going to podcast for anyone and they torched his name on the way out the door and that's kind of feeling what it's like here that being said 20 plus accusers is a lot and, yeah. and to your point I am not the type of person who is going to think that women in general are making things up for money or for quote unquote attention or whatever other horrible shit people are saying. We have Roddy White on Twitter tweeting like you can't force somebody to give you oral sex. It's like a lot of ignorant shit is being said and I guess that's the crux of it. Like I just wanted to talk about it on our podcast because I think the only opinion that should be stated right now fairly is the one that you open this segment with and it's that the 
our opinion is that we don't have an opinion. If you're coming out strong, calling Watson guilty, calling him a predator, calling him anything, it's terrible. It's corny. And you're speaking about something you don't know about. Now, if you're coming to Watson's defense saying he would never do that, well, you're in the same boat to me. Yeah. Like having any strong stance on something that you don't have the full picture on or all the information about is not good. And I'm seeing a lot of it in sports media. I, I just wanted to make our position known that we're not like that. And we're also not afraid to, you know, talk about a tough topic. Yeah. Like I just said, I think the the right take is to not have a, have a take on this situation until all of the evidence is exposed and um, we see the full picture. Cause God, who knows? He could be just an absolute piece of shit human being, or he could just be getting blackballed by his owner because he doesn't want to play for his football team. And I wouldn't put it past people to accept uh, payoffs in the demise of another human being. Mm, well said. Now, turning the conversation a little bit back into the wheelhouse we're comfortable in fantasy, we did a draft on Monday. We live streamed it on the YouTube. It was a best ball draft, a tournament entry. And Watson went as the QB9. His ADP has been steadily falling as this story develops. Uh, he went in the around pick 90th overall, ninth round, first pick of the ninth round, like I said, QB9. You know, if you're drafting in best ball tournaments, this is something you have to figure out now. You know, how much risk are you willing to embrace with this situation? Are you willing to draft a player like Watson who has league winning upside, especially if he's going as a back-end QB1 when his, you know, floor-ceiling combo is one of the highest in the NFL? By the time we're drafting redraft, I imagine we'll have a much clearer picture of this. But, you know, people are drafting best ball every single day so mm -hmm. you we need to be ready you know if you're in dynasty are you holding are you selling like how are you handling this watson situation how are you handling the risk equation i, I guess for me and i have watson in a dynasty league and i and i'm holding because <laughs> as kind of messed up as it sounds what are the odds that he doesn't play in the NFL ever again. Not speaking to your perception of his guilt, but speaking yes. to the what the NFL allows. Yes, exactly. My prediction is that he plays in the NFL again. And right now, if you sell him in Dynasty, you're probably selling him at a low. Therefore, I would not sell him at all. I would just hold on in Dynasty. But in best ball, I think he's worth the risk, especially in these large field best ball tournaments on drafters and underdog that are like $5, $10 entry fee. I mean, we talked about it on our live stream. Every single Monday we live stream and you know, it's only $5. So I'm going to take the risk on Deshaun Watson in the ninth or 10th round. If he keeps on falling, like you said, his upside is quarterback one pretty much overall. And if you get him as a back-end quarterback, one, I think that is great value on a player of Deshaun Watson's caliber. Overall, if I'm drafting 100 best ball drafts, let's say, let's keep it easy, I'm probably going to take him in about 15 or 20 of them if he falls to me. Mm. So I would have about 15%. I think that would be a good percentage to have of Watson in best ball if you're a high-volume best ball player. I think that's where I would feel comfortable at. Anything more than that, I think you're taking on too much risk. I would say I pretty much agree with you. I also think it comes down to the format. Like in a tournament, the risk reward proposition makes a lot of sense to me, right? Because you're playing for a top heavy outcome. You know, you should be okay if your team flails out and burns because you should be embracing risk and embracing uncertainty in these best ball tournament 
entries, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're going for first or worst. If we're playing best ball cash, you know, I'm doing one of these $5 leagues where only the top three or, or top half percentage get in and it's like a cash game in DFS. Well, then maybe the risk isn't quite worth it. Maybe the difference between Watson and Herbert or Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, maybe it's not that close. And maybe the safety of some guys who are below that tier, like Stafford or Jalen Hurts, well, you know, the the fact that they have realistic 16 game projections for the season, I think is more impactful in a cash game format. So uh-huh. it's a format thing for me. I don't think that I'll be targeting Watson heavily in cash games for best ball, but in tournaments, I think that he's a, a complete buy as long as you're willing to you know, draft these things correctly. Yeah. Which means embracing risk in the first place. Yeah. I'm 100% with you on that. So. All right. Now that we got through some of the serious stuff, let's get into the rest of free agency. We talked about some of the signings that happened since our last podcast when James Brimacombe joined us to talk about the initial wave of free agencies on our YouTube. If you want to check that out, we go over in depth on Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, and several other of the free agent signings. I want to talk about Kenny Galladay, though. After thinking about it a little more and seeing, you know, the general direction of the conversation on Twitter, it's being proposed, right? Can Kenny Galladay have the effect on Daniel Jones that Stefan Diggs had on Josh Allen last year? What is your take on that? Do you think it's possible? And do you view Kenny as that type of player, the type that Stefan Diggs was for Josh Allen? I mean, that that's kind of a load of questions. So I'm, I'm going to break it down um, by how I feel about it. So I do think Kenny Galladay can have that same impact that Stefan Diggs had uh, with Josh Allen last year. I think he is a star wide receiver in the NFL, one of the best, probably like top 10, top 12, if I had to rank him. And it was a great addition for the Giants. But if we're just comparing Daniel Jones to Josh Allen, I don't think Daniel Jones has the same ceiling that Josh Allen does. Mm. I think Daniel Jones is a worse quarterback. I think that's been pretty clear over the last uh, couple of podcasts. But the addition of Kenny Galladay will help Daniel Jones immensely. Daniel Jones had a passer rating of 132 on passes 20 yards plus downfield. And Kenny Galladay's uh, yards per reception in his career is 16.8. Like, it's a match made in heaven, to be honest. So I, I like the signing. I do think that Daniel Jones has a bounce back year, but I don't think he has top five upside in fantasy. I don't know. I, I think he will be a high-end quarterback to come redraft time. And then, obviously, he's going to be in play a lot for DFS. So that that's that's yeah. kind of just my my take on it. Um, I don't think he's that court like that talented of a quarterback. Like I think he's a starter. Maybe I don't know. I'm just not a big Daniel Jones fan. I think that it's more likely that Daniel Jones is not the starting quarterback of the Giants in 2022 than it is that we're looking at him like a top five quarterback the way we look at Josh Allen now. Yeah. That's how that's how I feel about it. Like you said. Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen. And not only that, but the reason for Allen's improvement wasn't just Stefan Diggs. You know, you don't add an elite wide receiver and suddenly go from being a quarterback with a 
percent completion percentage to a 69 percent completion percentage and having a 6.7 adjusted yards per attempt to an 8.5 adjusted yards per attempt josh allen's leap is is so much more than just the addition of stefan diggs and i think almost as important as the difference between those two quarterbacks the difference between jason garrett and brian dable is immense and i think that that right there could be the biggest obstacle to daniel jones bouncing back now like you said i do agree that he has a bounce back season i just don't think it's to the extent of improvement that josh allen did that i mean that's how i feel about it like yes Ken, kenny galladay clear-cut alpha clear-cut wide receiver one on the giants at this point but offensive talent wasn't really the problem in in new york right like yeah. they had godius they had sterling shepherd they had evan ingram that's not like what josh allen had you know two years ago when he was an average quarterback you know they were throwing to robert foster and you know isaiah mckenzie and lee smith like it was disgusting like so yes daniel <laughs> jones improved weapon galladay good for the giants in real life um daniel jones i think he has a high ceiling on a week-to-week basis but you know in terms of redraft in terms of you know being a safe quarterback ready to take that step into an elite tier i don't see it yeah i i don't see it either um but we could easily be wrong because they have a lot of weapons um now and i will say i'll give daniel jones the benefit of the doubt last year they did have injuries sterling shepherd was hurt saquon torres acl was out for the pretty much the entire season so they lost some of their key guys last year and they're getting both of those guys healthy ready to go and a healthy Kenny Galladay so I like the Giants offense in general I I mean I'm hoping he takes the step forward that Josh Allen took Mm -hmm. but I don't I don't know if he's capable of doing that to be honest all right I think that that sums up our thoughts on that I feel like we're pretty in line with our thoughts there let's get into some of these other free agent uh, signings that have occurred since our last podcast and since our last YouTube video most of the important free agents have landed, um, and there's a couple out there, but I think at this point, we kind of had a, a pretty good grasp of who is going where. Today, before we started recording, T.Y. Hilton signed a one-year deal, $10 million to stay with the Colts. How do you feel about that signing? Do you think he remains the wide receiver one there, and is he going to be a fantasy viable option with Carson Wentz at the helm? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the wide receiver three. If we're being honest, um, I think Pittman is the wide receiver one and Paris Campbell is the wide receiver two. And God, I think I would rather have Pascal over T.Y. Hilton at this point, too. What did T.Y. Hilton do to you? I don't know. He's just old. (laughs) He's just old. I think his time was five years ago, six years ago, when him and Andrew Luck were tearing up the league. I, I think $10 million is too much for T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any strong thoughts about him I don't think he's going to be a fantasy viable player uh, even with Carson Wentz who I do think is going to have a bounce back season 100% probably just going to stay away from TY I don't I don't think he's worth it at all I, I don't see the upside man that's that's brutal but I, I kind of hear you on on a certain level I, I went back and I've been looking at TY Hilton I mean he has one season out of the last four where he averaged more than 13 fantasy points per game over the course of the year you know, and that was in, in 2018. Besides that, it's been 11 fantasy points, 12 and a half and 11 over the last four years. So, you know, T.Y. Hilton might be past his prime. Like you said, the Andrew Luck factor is significant. And then you combine that with the fact that he can't stay healthy either. Correct. If you, if you draft him, you're 
probably expecting him to miss at least three or four games every season. Now, that's true. So, but do we give any of that to Paris Campbell too? You know, a guy entering his third year who has under 25 receptions in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too concerned about his total career receptions uh, up to this point. But he, he does seem like a player that can't stay healthy. The Colts coaching staff loves him. They were playing him a lot at the beginning of the 2020 season moving into 2021 i i envision the colts having him as an every down player once again it's just all about if he could stay healthy i i'm i'm still willing to take a shot on him even though i don't really know his adp right now is he even being drafted i don't think i've um, seen him. i don't think so yeah, i don't even think he's being drafted so i wouldn't mind taking a shot on paris and i will say his 2020 injury was a fluke injury so yeah that's a good point um sammy Watkins was scheduled to have a meeting with the colts on wednesday i don't know if they will be able to pay him after giving ty hilton like you said 10 million that's kind of a lot i think you know maybe Watkins goes back to baltimore who's clearly trying to sign another wide receiver but that's just a prediction that's neither here nor there we'll get into that when that occurs Mike Davis, some people call him 99% CMC. I've heard that in the streets. He signed a two-year deal with Atlanta worth $5.5 million. You know, surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, depending on your interpretation of Mike Davis, he was the RB12 in fantasy. This man was a legit RB1 last season. (laughs) Now, he was 20th in fantasy points per game, which is a more accurate measure of a player's success, but that's still mid-range RB2 value and Uh Todd Gurley, Brian Hill, they're likely out the door in Atlanta. Mike Davis is the presumed starter right now. Are you interested in Davis in in what appears to be a pretty good landing spot? God, I mean, do you have his ADP? I don't know it. On drafters, he's going around pick 180, talking, you know, borderline 14th, 15th round pick. I would expect that to rise personally. Yeah, I think that'll rise as well. But if you can get him in the 14th or 15th round, um, right now, as your RB4, RB5, I think that's a solid value for him. Uh, I definitely expect the Falcons to bring in another running back, whether that be through free agency or through the draft. There is some speculation that they might draft a running back in April, but as it stands right now, he's the running back one in Atlanta. And that gives him value, I think. Um, this is a guy that can catch passes, and he's a solid runner of the football as well. And like you mentioned, no Todd Gurley there anymore, who's probably going to be out of the NFL. No Brian Hill. So it's looking bright for Mike Davis right now, but we have to see how the rest of the offseason plays out. Yeah, agreed. It's a it's a good um, landing spot, no doubt about it. This is a good offense. But like you said, I'm on the same page. I expect them to add some competition. I don't expect them to roll with Mike Davis and Edo Smith as their one-two punch going into the season. Kind of looking at it like I'm looking at Chase Edmonds. Like, I mean, if it's true that you know these guys are going to be the starters well then they're great values as it stands right now i just don't believe it i think the falcons at a running back and i think the cardinals at a running back but we'll see how that goes another team that did add a running back was chicago who added former chiefs running back damian williams on a one-year deal now do you think that williams has value or is this more so just a messy signing that semi tanks montgomery and semi tanks cohen yeah i don't think he has any value i would not draft him the only way he would have value is if montgomery goes down because cohen is going to be the third down back the pass catching back in chicago coming off of an injury So that would make David Montgomery the 
two down guy. Obviously, NFL teams just want depth at the running back position. So if you can get a quality running back in Damian Williams, who who I think could be a starter in the NFL, it's it's a solid signing for Chicago just in terms of real life football. But in fantasy, I don't see him having any value. Um, I don't think he will be on the field much. I think David Montgomery showed that he is capable of being the workhorse. And then obviously they gave Tariq Cohen kind of a crazy contract last year. So it'll be those two guys. And if one of them goes down, they have Damian Williams waiting in the wing. I agree to a certain extent. I want to say though, that I think David Montgomery is one of the worst picks in best ball right now. Going at the back end of the third round, you know, this is a player who ran the second most pass routes out of any running back in the NFL last year behind JD McKissick. He had 54 receptions, which is a massive jump from the 25 that he had as a rookie. You know, between the return of Tariq Cohen and between the addition of an accomplished pass catching back like Damian Williams, I just, I think that that part of his game is going to get scaled back mm-hmm. quite a bit. And if you're, if you're taking David Montgomery over Mike Evans, over Amari Cooper, Terry McLaurin, like players in that range, I just can't justify that. I think, I think Montgomery is a, a complete and utter fade at his ADP. Yeah, I'm staying away from Montgomery as well. I don't think he has another top five finish in his range of outcomes. Yep, we're on, we're on the same page with that. How about your boy, James White, staying in New England for another year? Cheap deal. I think it was two and a half million. Yeah, staying in New England, a solid presence in the locker room. He's kind of like a mentor to the to the running backs and some of the guys in the Patriots locker room. I, I don't see the value there. Damian Harris is still there. Sony Michelle is still on the roster, unfortunately. I think Rex Burkhead is gone, if I'm not mistaken. And then I think they're going to get Brandon Bolden back, too, from him opting out last year. I mean, James White is is fine if you want to pick him in best ball, but I'm probably staying away from him. It's just a muddy situation, and New England is notorious for having a terrible running back situation in terms of fantasy football. So I think it's just best to stay away from a low floor low ceiling guy like James White. Yep. uh, I agree with you fully. I was really hoping he might land in Tampa and and find some real value with Brady. I mean, there was a bunch of speculation that would happen. And to me, this just hurts the upside of the guys you mentioned, like Damian Harris as a guy that I can't really go near with James White and Sonny Michelle there. That's how I feel about it at his current price. You know, it's like a ninth round pick. Um, James White is going stupid late. So if we're talking about maybe, you know, a cash game best ball league, I, I would potentially have some interest, but I just think the ceiling is completely non-existent with the other running backs in New England. Yeah. So any type of tournament format, that's going to be a no for me. Speaking of a, a low ceiling running back, in my opinion, Tevin Coleman going to the Jets. I'm I'm not super bullish on this one year deal up to $2 million in value. You have any interest in Tevin Coleman going to gangrene? Yeah, I mean, I think he's worth a pick in best ball now, for sure. He's the clear-cut RB1 on the Jets as it stands right now. Tevin Coleman is a guy that can catch passes. He He's a guy that has experience as a running back in the NFL. So I think it's a solid signing for him, and they got him cheap. And I think he also went, went there because Robert Sala is the head coach, and we know that he was with San Fran, with Tevin. So if Tevin goes into the season as the RB1 for the Jets, I think he has a lot of value right now, especially if you can get him in the 18th, 19th round. But that was a week ago. And he wasn't even being drafted, I don't think, because he was a free agent. Correct. He he had no ADP on on yeah. either side. Now going he's probably this. going to go. If I had to guess, somewhere in the twelfth, thirteenth round ish. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to pay that price for him. But if we're talking, you know, 15th, 16th or later, then I think it's worth a shot. I mean, he is definitely the RB1 right now. You know, he's going to be ahead of LaMichael Pirine and, you know, the corpse of Le'Veon Bell if he's even still on the roster, which I don't think he is. Um, yeah. yeah, I could see it. Explosive. He has been in the past. It's just, you know he came to San Francisco and I was super bullish on him. You know, I looked at, you know, Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson Jr. And then looking at Tevin Coleman, like, all right, this man is going to be the starter. And he just wasn't it. I just don't know if he has the potential to be that in the NFL. He's been, he's been in the league for a while now and we just haven't really seen it. There's always been, you know, that potential, but never really the payoff. And yeah. I don't know if the New York Jets offense is going to be the one where he finally puts it all together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that. That's, that's why I would only pick him if, if you're getting him in the 16th, 17th round, then you just take a shot on a guy that could be the starter and could see volume in 2021. All right. Two more signings that came across my radar that I think are quietly impactful. A couple of wide receiver signings. Josh Reynolds goes to the Titans and Deshaun Jackson goes to the Rams. Let's start off with Reynolds, who I know I'm a little bit higher on than you are in terms of the actual player. But to me, it's more about the opportunity. There are 192 targets that have departed from the Titans offense after Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, and Adam Humphreys left the team. So at this point, Reynolds is the clear-cut wide receiver two behind A.J. Brown and one of the most efficient offenses in the league. The only other wide receivers on the roster are Marcus Johnson, Nick Westbrook, and Cody Hollister. These ancillary wide receivers are not in the same tier as Reynolds. I'm not saying Reynolds is elite, but he's at least an established wide receiver. In our latest draft that we did on stream Monday, we saw him go in the 16th round of a best ball draft. And I, I think that is a phenomenal cost for him. If he if that price holds, I'll be actively targeting him in best ball drafts. Yeah, I think Josh Reynolds is a clear cut value right now. Um, Like you mentioned, the opportunity is just plentiful in Tennessee with Johnu leaving, with Corey Davis leaving, with them not re-signing Adam Humphreys. That just opens up a lot of targets for Josh Reynolds. Uh, I could see the Titans adding another wide receiver through free agency. I 100% think they will add a wide receiver through the draft. They might use like a second or a third round pick on a wide receiver. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But as it stands right now, he's the clear cut number two in the passing game for Tennessee. I, I think the efficiency could dip a little bit with Arthur Smith leaving to Atlanta. We'll have to see about that. I, I could be on an island there, but they're still going to throw the ball and they need people to catch the ball. Josh Reynolds is that guy and I think he is a value. So yeah. And then Deshaun Jackson signed with the Rams. And I think that that is more impactful to Stafford's value. You know, he's a player I think that adds value to Stafford's ceiling. I don't necessarily want to draft Deshaun Jackson in any type of format, maybe in something like an underdog best ball tournament where he maybe catches a huge touchdown in weeks 14, 15, 16 in the playoffs when you absolutely need it and nobody owns him. And it's a, it's a Stafford uh, Jackson stack that, that nobody's targeting. But for the most part, Jackson, I think is probably a non-factor as an individual asset, but he does solidify Stafford to me um, as a player that I want to target. I think Stafford is at the top tier of the second tier of quarterbacks. Uh, once you get past all the guys with rushing upside. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with the Stafford take. This is going to be the best offense that he's had in his entire career uh, with one of the best coaches in the NFL. 
the Rams are a legit Super Bowl contender. Like, I will not be surprised if they go to the Super Bowl. In 2021, Deshaun Jackson, I think, is a difference maker on the field due to his elite speed. Obviously helps spread out the defense, will make life way easier for Stafford. Just in terms of fantasy, I think I would take a shot on Deshaun Jackson in a best ball tournament just because he is a high ceiling guy and those boom weeks could win you a week in best ball. So I would I wouldn't mind taking Deshaun Jackson. And honestly, if I had to guess, he's the wide receiver three. Like he's the outside wide receiver. Robert Woods on the outside, Cooper Cup in the slot. That's going to be the three mm. wide receiver sets. So I'm sorry that you drafted Van Jefferson on Monday because that boy ain't even going to touch the field. I'm sorry to break it. To I you. mean, I'm sorry that Van Jefferson is one of my top five most owned players in best ball through like 30 drafts. Yeah, that's um, a tough scene for you. That is a tough scene because for me, but he's not going to touch be, the field. Would I be surprised if the second round rookie going into his sophomore season is more productive than the 34 year old guy who, you know, probably plays like six games on average per season? Like I wouldn't be. (laughs) I'll still draft Van Jefferson in a couple of stacks uh, with Stafford, but I do think it definitely uh, drops Van Jefferson a couple of rounds. I think him and Jackson are probably in the same range as, you know, back end 18th, 19th round type of picks. Yeah. See, the thing with Van Jefferson is he's just not a good wide receiver. So that's a, that's a tough, that's fair. That's a tough scene for you. That's fair. I'm, I'm not even going to argue that that is thoroughly fair. Is there anybody uh, that, that crossed your radar, any under the radar signings you want to hit on before we close the show? Uh, I don't think there's any like, complete under the radar signings um we touched on a little bit but Brashad Perryman to Detroit like somebody has to catch passes from Jared Goff so I wouldn't mind taking Perryman in the late rounds of a best ball draft too because he is another high ceiling wide receiver just like Deshaun Jackson that could win you a week and the Lions are going to be losing in a lot of games and we know that Goff can throw the ball he, he can throw the ball a ton so I like Perryman in best ball, if you're drafting them in the 17th, 18th round. The Lions are going to be losing a lot of games? Every game, actually. 0-16. Damn. That, oh, that they're I, I they're literally that. not going to win more than two games. That is complete insanity, especially because they and the Patriots are in the same tier. That's but, actual um, cap. I can't, like, <laughs> you're just a troll. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Look. Let's get into uh, one final thing before we close this podcast out. Joey, we've been tracking your journey over the last three or four episodes of the podcast. You know, you never watched the Marvel movies, any of the MCU until now, and uh, you've completed your journey. You know, Mm -hmm. you've made it through Infinity War. You've made it to the end game. How do you feel? You know, was it was it a good journey? Do you are you glad you did it? What's your review, essentially? Uh, No, I'm 100% glad I did it. Great series, great movies. It's actually kind of crazy, like, if you think about it, how they were able to draw a plot out over the course of, like, 22 movies. Like, if I'm a director, I I probably couldn't do it for more than two movies. But everything came together at the end. Infinity War, great movie, one of the best I've ever seen. Endgame was great, too. I, I felt the ending was kind of necessary to to end the plot line how it did with um, Tony obviously dying. Yeah, and then the Avengers kind of just go their separate ways, and we'll see what comes of that in the, in the next 10 years of Marvel. Um, I, I'm just curious, 
are they going to like try and do like another set of 10 or 20 movies that that play out with the new Avengers and they fight, you know, somebody stronger than Thanos. That's kind of what I'm curious about for the future. Um, I mean, there's theories out there. It really has not been confirmed. They've been pretty quiet on like, you know, so these were the first four phases, quote unquote. So like what the, what phase five and six and seven, like we know some of the movies, there's going to be a movie where Thor and guardians of the galaxy are together. Um, there's going to be more Spider-Man movies, another Black Panther movie. There's a um, Black despite... Widow movie coming out this year. The third Spider-Man film is coming out in December. Can't wait so for that. So there's a, there's a lot of Marvel movies coming out in the works. I'm just honestly curious to see like if the if the plots will be intertwined how they were i believe they will and also um there are two major marvel franchises that were not uh legally allowed to be in the mcu and that's x-men and fantastic four Mm. and they have acquired those rights so i think that that is definitely something they're going to work in there um as for you know how are they going to go you know like upward from thanos i don't know because that he's a perfect movie character yeah. like a perfect villain one of the best ever from the second you know infinity war starts and he beats the shit out of the two strongest avengers in the opening scene just the entire duration of that movie is perfect absolutely yeah. love every scene of infinity war there's it's just literally a perfect movie the fight scene in wakanda and in infinity war is probably my favorite scene from the whole entire series uh, of movies yeah. like just actually an incredible scene and then the the scene where captain america takes thor's hammer that's up there too that that was a great scene and endgame Bro, <laughs> when i tell you that that got a standing ovation in the movie theater like people got out of their seats and were clapping yeah. it was it was insane yeah that that was crazy um great movies freaking banged all of them out in like two or three weeks <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is kind of nutty but Glad I did. I'm just hyped to now be able to go see these movies in the theaters when they come out. So Black Widow, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, 3 is coming out in a couple years. Thor, you know, all those movies. I'm definitely going to see them 100%. Yeah, that, that'll be awesome. I I haven't even actually gotten to uh, WandaVision or the, uh, the other one that they've just rolled out with Falcon and Winter Soldier. So... You know, those are continuations, and apparently I hear that the end of WandaVision gives a, a little bit of direction as to where they're going next, yeah. so... I have to watch uh, that Definitely have well. to get in on that, yeah. yeah. That's um, the next thing. That's definitely the next thing. Yep, 100%. I will say, Joey, last, last thing I want to say, it's not part of the MCU, but they are two of the best Marvel movies ever created. Deadpool, one and two. Gotta add it to your list. Yeah, I... I know that they are good movies, and I haven't seen them. Um, I, I'm surprised. So they didn't have it a part of the timeline. Like they, it, they couldn't. It, it was it was because Fox owned the rights. And, for oh yeah, a long time. And then like, Disney went and did some savage shit and bought Fox. Yes, yeah, my, <laughs> yes. That's crazy. They were like, "All right, that, we need these movies back. We're buying you." <laughs> I mean, that's basically why you know Spider Man, who's like probably the most famous marvel character like didn't get introduced until the mid to end point of the series because you know sony had the rights until until then so yeah same shit with deadpool and like all those old x-men movies but deadpool goddamn great movies you you gotta get on yeah i'll I'll watch those i'll watch those 100 percent. all right i'm I'm glad you've done it and and that's gonna be it for episode 133 of the dfs dose podcast Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. I am at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrying DFS. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, the DFS Dose. We're on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. 
We'll be back on Thursday, April 1st with episode 134, hoping to get into a deep dive on some of these rookies, get an expert in here to educate us. Make sure you check out the live streams every Monday on the YouTube channel. If you're listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable. Keep it authentic. Vibes. Vibes.